Another edition of the Good Intelligence Podcast. Strike that emergency podcast. I am David Marver of Change the Padres, joined by Padres Jagoff. Yeah, this is so important and such an emergency that I'm participating while driving home. We should is... preface that because we've gotten made fun of for doing car podcasts before, but this is so urgent, right? You have to get this one out. Yeah, it's not me just being bored sitting in Philly traffic. This is an actual important trade that we've made, or seemingly important. Important on a Padres well, Everything's relative, right? But... <laughs> yeah, it's about as important as you can get in a tanking season, where you don't really have that much talent you can even trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and we can prep, I mean, unless something else comes down the pike. This is not trading our quote-unquote premier trade piece here. Uh, you want to get the, just cover the you, you can just discuss what the recent news is. All right, so the Padres traded three of their current roster players: Trevor Cahill, who we discussed in the last podcast, Ryan Buchter, who we also discussed, and then also Brandon Mauer, and uh, to the Royals in exchange for three prospects. Really, just kind of one prospect that we'll talk about in a little bit, and another guy who's already at the major league level who can contribute, uh, plus Travis Wood. Um, who's been around for quite a while and is really just a throw in, in my opinion. Um, possibly, I was shocked. I was, possibly with negative. I mean, he may have negative value. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. But I was sitting down and eating dinner, and when I saw the trade first, uh, you know, first of all, I didn't know who uh, Ruiz was. He's the uh, 18-year-old prospect we got back from the Royals. Probably the gem of the trade, in my opinion. But when I looked him up, and then I looked up who he traded, which was basically three minor pieces. I kind of felt like it was one of those fantasy football trades where you offer someone, like, three pieces of garbage at the end of your bench in exchange for, like, one player who's going to uh, be useful going forward. I feel like that's kind of what this is, right? I mean, Bookers, he's useful. He's probably actually the most valuable of the players being traded back simply because he's controllable until 2021. Um, but Brandon Maurer, I mean, who cares? Travis Cahill, we, we just said on the last podcast, if you get anything for him, that's a win. So in order to, you know, grab a potential impact back down the line, obviously still very far away in, in rookie ball, uh, in exchange for those three guys, I, I'm fairly happy with it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think when I first read it, because it originally got reported as, um, as the return being Travis Wood, Matt Stram, and then it just said Ann Prospect. So, I mean – that's not that impressive on face, but once you start digging into who that prospect was, um, I, I'm with you that Ruiz is probably the key return on this, but I, I do think, uh, judging from your tweeting, that I think you're overlooking Stram a little bit, the value of, of, a, of a you know preseason top 100 prospect. Uh, granted, he's, he's injured, but it's on his arm, right? If I'm not mistaken, it's like his knee. Yeah, so, so he had Tommy John in 2013, which is good because then, you know, he got that got out of the out way. Of the way. Yeah. Got it out of the way. Always good, you know, on the checkbox. Uh, no, he hurt his knee, and I think it's one of those injuries that's, like, not really debilitating or predictive of future injuries. So, I mean, that's not really a concern. I would say the concern for him is that by the time he's healthy next spring, he'll be 26. He's a relief pitcher 
He's actually not particularly good um, in his major league number so far, which is about 70 innings as a reliever. So which I, I don't know, not, which is not very predictive. I mean, let's let's be fair about that. It's uh, not, but it's not like he had the most dominant minor league stats, anyways. I think the Royals. I think I think his his prospect ranking is first of all that's only a limited number of rankings that had him there, but. I think a lot of it also has to do with the Royals' ranking system or farm system is just so terrible. And I know because their A affiliate, high A affiliate, is in my hometown right now that, you know, anyone that's doing anything is going to look pretty good in that system. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not high on him. I think part of it also is that he's a release pitcher, in my opinion. Um, so no, yeah, I just don't rank those guys very time. high, right? So. At the same time, um, I mean, this was the talk for Michael Fulmer as well when he was, you know, rumored to be offered to the Padres that he's slotted in more as a more as a reliever. But I mean I've seen some of the prospect uh, evaluators today saying they still buy into him as a starter. But regardless, I mean the Padres, you know, three fifths of their starting rotation is on a one year contract. You know, Cahill, Chesteen and, and Clay Dick. And I don't know if any of them I mean, obviously Cahill's gone and you still need to fill rotation spots, right? And well, no, not if you're tanking. I mean, like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah, but you'd I like, feel like that's such like a Strand, ruse. Strand's like, you have to have someone pitch. It's like, you don't well, have to. Strand's the kind of player that you want to, you know, throw in there, though. Like, he has, you know, some stuff. He's got good stuff. Throws 96, supposedly has a nasty curveball. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you've dug into what his deficiencies have been, but he, word has it he has the stuff to perform either as a reliever or as a starter. It's unknown at this point. And a tanking team is the perfect environment to, you know, throw someone to the wolves and see if you have something. And if not, then you move forward on someone else. Like, I mean, like, do we really care more about, like, Walter um, Lockett? Like, is he Walker, Walker, right? Walter Walker. Uh, Andrew Lockett. Andrew Lockett. Andrew yeah, Lockett. Andrew. Yeah. Andrew. <laughs> do, do we really care about seeing Lockett more than, like, Matt Stram, a guy who, you know, you're right. I, I, I want to say it was Longenhagen. He was the one who ranked him 77th preseason. Um, I mean, that's a guy I'd rather see. I'd rather see them try him at the major league level than than Lockett. You know, maybe I don't disagree. More than, maybe more than Kyle Lloyd. Like, you know? right, right. I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think the thing for him is if you go look at his statistics, and he got progressively worse as he moved up the minor league system, at least in terms of what is generally predictive of future success, like home runs allowed. Like that's one of the most important right. ones. You know, started low A, not allowing home runs, and kept getting worse and worse. And at the major league level, has been hit pretty hard while still walking yeah. back. So I mean, this is the key difference between him and Fulmer. Fulmer was um, like killing people in the minors, if I'm not mistaken, at the time of the trade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I, I don't think Stram's nothing. Like I, I think he's going to be in the rotation next year. That's my that's my prediction today. Yeah, but I mean, a nothing is going to be in the rotation next year, no matter what. I look. I'm not saying that he's worthless. I'm just saying that when you look, when you're valuing the prospects, by most measures, I don't think he's going to be a very valuable player. Simply because he's already 20, he's going to be 26 in spring. He's a relief pitcher that hasn't had success. But maybe you convert him to a starter, and he just improves. I mean, there's a chance that happens, sure. But I, uh, I would fairly long odds on it, at least compared to, you know looking at the upside of the rest of the trade. Um, 
So I, I don't know. Well, I, l- let's talk about Travis. He's better. Look, look, don't get me wrong. He's better than like an Eric Johnson throw, and he's better than a lot of the other throw-ins we've seen. I'm just, you know, people are quoting, you know, whenever these trades happen, you have the Potters homers that come out, and they like pick those two statistics to throw at you. You know, like, like oh, he was the 72nd prospect, and we got the guy who leads the Arizona League in triples. You know, and it's like you're like, okay, well, what else is there about those players? And in Strand's case, it's one of those things where like. I feel like the best case scenario is he turns into a really good relief pitcher and then he's Ryan Bookter. Like, cause that's essentially what Bookter was. He was a completely controlled left-handed relief pitcher that was a somewhat older advanced prospect. I think even 30 now. So, um, I don't know. I just don't look at that as a major piece. I look at it more as trading a bunch of very small trade pieces in exchange for one high upside prospect. Right. Um, let's talk about Travis Wood for a second. Uh, negative value? What do you think? Well, what's interesting like, like, is, I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if you saw this part. He was looking at him preseason, right? And then he ended up getting a two-year, $12 million contract, which is not a $3 million one-year contract, which is what, which was really his bag this offseason. Yeah, so, I mean, with Travis Wood, uh, I don't know if you saw the recent update on that part of the trade, year, but right? um, the Padres are not on the hook for a salary. So the Royals are paying oh. a salary, which means that um, essentially two things. One, I just, I'm just i super excited about uh, the local media quoting his entire salary as part of the payroll next year and completely dropping the fact that um, that's being paid for by the Royals. When the, when the other thing happened where we were paying for Matt Kemp, they would throw that in. I just, right. I'm really excited for that double standard. But the other that thing is, is it means yeah. that we, got, we probably got worse prospects in return, right? Like if you... You make the Royals throw in, you know, the $10 million to cover the rest of his contract. That means that that's $10 million of prospects you didn't get in the trade that you might have been able to get if you just absorbed the contract. Right. Although yeah, that, that might not have been true. an option. I mean, in this case, uh, it, you, I guess you could posit that AJ actually likes Travis Wood. Like, he's not just taking him, you know, as a dump. Like, I mean, he, he actively pursued him this offseason, supposedly. So maybe... He sees something. I, I don't know. Travis maybe Wood he's really maybe he's a purposeful um maybe he's a purposeful tank guy. Um, I mean he's been really really terrible this season. Yeah, really uh, bad. Like ERA close to seven, and that's as a reliever. He hasn't started since 2014. So, I mean maybe he was uh, targeted in the same way they targeted Jared Weaver. You know, like yeah, they were trying I mean, to be and, as bad as possible. Let's let's get him. And if you don't have to pay his salary, then I guess that's a bet that, you know, maybe... I, I, I assume the general Padres' Twitter opinion is, well, maybe he'll turn into another Cahill. And, I mean, yeah, maybe. Or he could turn into another Weaver, but at least they're not paying his salary. So, yeah. I mean... And who knows? Maybe he'll lose and, an important I, game down the stretch for us in this tent, you know? Yeah. And, but, I mean, I get it. Like, he's not... They probably gave up a worse prospect. You know, they probably took on worse prospects because... They're getting a free Travis Wood, but you know it's a free lottery. You don't. You're still going to scratch a free lottery ticket, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I, I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't know if he really wants to start Travis Wood. That would be fantastic, I think. But uh, yeah. So so the big return is clearly um, Estiri Ruiz. Yes. Uh, what, got, what do you? It's got to be. Yeah, and. Um, I think if there's one thing that came out of the James Shields trade, and uh, you're lucky because you get frequently retweeted your tweets from last year whenever someone gets, oh, mad, at, whenever someone gets <laughs> mad at you. 
And at the time, I think we were, I think you were a little more down on it because I was just happy to get rid of Shields. But um, I, I think at this point, I 100% trust AJ on anything related to international scouting. I think I'm on board with whatever he says is a good idea on that front. I'm not sold at all on anything related to building a major league roster, or and I'm not really sold on drafting his drafting quite yet. But um, international, I'm sold. So, like, I'll go into this and say, well, I guess AJ saw something in Ruiz, and, and great, good, I trust him. Like, is, is that where you are on this? Yeah, and I would actually say it's even more positive, not just because we have the evidence that he's been able to find guys like this, but if you remember, so, so both Tetis and Ruiz um, were unheralded international free agent signings, which is not all that uncommon. Actually, if you go through the history of all the, the top international signings um, that have ever happened, and you actually kind of hit on this in one of your posts, like Hamley Ramirez is like one of the best cases. He signed for like nothing. So you don't have to be a big signing internationally to become a big player. Um, but right. the difference between Tatis and Ruiz is that uh, Tatis didn't have any playing time when we acquired him. So there was really nothing to go on except for the fact that he wasn't a top prospect recently. Whereas Ruiz is like leading the Arizona League in extra base hits, which is extremely predictive um, of future success. So like they're actually getting someone right back right now who has like something on their track record that predicts future success for them. Now, granted, right. it might be, instead of it being like a 1% chance, it might be a 4% chance. But still, like, that's one of those statistics when you look at it where you go, you know, most guys who are, uh, you know, start out internationally and they go up to rookie ball end up hitting a bunch of extra base hits in rookie ball. So you pretty much have to have a guy do that if you want them to succeed at the major league level, and he's doing that. So that's certainly positive. I'm definitely a lot more positive this time around because of, you know, A, that, and B, because I actually, you know, wrongly thought James Shield had more trade value at the time than um, than I ascribed Hold to Cahill and Buster. Did you actually admit that you were wrong on something? I admit I'm wrong all the time. No, and I actually, I, I actually admitted it on this subject on Twitter last week. I said that I'm happy to be wrong when it benefits the Padres. Absolutely. Yeah. Very happy. But, hey, if we're going on rights or wrongs, though, I'm feeling pretty good about saying that Trevor Cahill wouldn't get as much in return. Because if we're being serious, Booker was the most valuable guy in this trade. And we really only got one guy that will be in our top 20, which is Ruiz. Stram, in my opinion, honestly, he's on the periphery of like 30 or 40 just based on the fact that injury, age, relief pitcher profile, um, and yeah, just like relievers in general I don't value. So I think, you know, in terms of, Going back to our last podcast and saying what we thought we'd get for some of these guys, I feel like I valued these players fairly, fairly well, and that means I'm happy with what we got in return. Obviously, so. Uh, I mean, I disagree. I think I think Stram slots right. I mean, I don't think you drop from top 100 to like organizational top 40. Like I think I, you do. If you go, if you go, so the thing is, you're again, you're quoting one prospect ranker, right? You're not. Like, a few things. One, Stram is, like, older already than Lucchese, for example. And Lucchese is nowhere near the top 100 on any 100 top prospect list. But he's been consistently better at every level. And the one knockdown on Lucchese is that he's old. But he's still younger than Stram was at any of those levels. So, like, it's one of those things where you look at it from a statistical perspective and from, like, all the other perspectives, and you go, how could this guy be ranked higher? And it's honestly, it's simply an artifact, in my opinion, of this of playing in an extremely poor system. Like, 
Baseball America or Fangraphs, they're always going to put one prospect from every system or a couple from every system in the top 100, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's done correctly, right? These people, if they were truly the best at doing these sort of things, they'd be doing something other than making prospects of it. So it's not necessarily fair to be like, oh, he's 72nd, so obviously he then jumped ahead of Adrian Morahone, who was 99th on the same prospect list. Like, I don't think that's, like, at all a good way to do it. Um, and again, that's not me saying Stram has no value. I just don't see how someone is going to be 26 in the spring and his relief pitcher with terrible, progressively getting worse track record is possibly more valuable than a lot of the other guys in the system. I, I also think it's arguable that uh, Ruiz is playing himself into the top 30 or 20. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think he is, too. I mean, I've, I was actually going through it today trying to figure out where I'd slot him in, and it's a little difficult because he's so far down, and he's, you know... There's not that much about him out there, but I think he actually, like I said, I think he will end up on the, you know, on the cut for that top 20, if not a little bit higher. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see if they'll actually send him to the rookie ball or if they'll send him to Fort Wayne. I'm sure we'll know more about that soon, but um, yeah, it's definitely possibly rises up quickly, like Tatis. Yeah. So, so at least on what the Padres gave up. Um, Let's not kid ourselves. We didn't give up very much, right? I mean, I think a lot of people had imagined, and even I, I, I mean, we argued about this, but I didn't have any fantasies we were getting, you know, something amazing for Trevor Cahill. Like, uh, and I don't think Buckter and Maurer are really all that that good. I mean, Maurer would not close for another team with the majors, I would, I would guess, right? So, no, no. And Buckter fell off, you know, a ton from last year. I mean, he's so... He's so marginal that the Royals misspelled his name in their, uh, like, announcement <laughs> tweet that they put out. He's Ryan Butcher. So, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. We didn't have that could be an autocorrect, though. That, that, that could just be an autocorrect. <laughs> i got to give him a little bit of, you know. Um, no, but I, I don't disagree. Like, um, I mean, I, if we had just gotten Stram, if we had just gotten Matt Stram for, for Trevor Cahill, I would have been okay with it because Trevor Cahill has no value to us going forward. Right. Um, and that's about how I valued him. I think, like I said, I think the most valuable piece is Buckter, and not because he's particularly good, but because he's, I guess, an above-average reliever in team control through 2021. So I think, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, and like I said, it's like that fantasy football trade where you trade a bunch of your guards and you get one good player back. It's like it's so hard to pull off those trades, but whenever you do it, you've got to be happy with it, even if, it's, even if the player you got back in return isn't even that great. Um, you know, to just pedal a bunch of your garbage and stack it together and get something slightly better is like your classic flea market trade. Right. <laughs> this is trading, yeah, your wide receiver five, like wide <laughs> yeah. receiver five, running back six, and then Charlie Whitehurst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're QB two and you get like, you know, the seventh tight end. You got to be happy about that. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I do think, I do think, looking at the return, that packaging those players together and finding a team that needed that package of players all at once is probably the optimal way to deal those players. Definitely. I mean, the fact that any team would trade with AJ after what happened last year, oh, my God, I'm so surprised anyone would trade with us. Wow, so surprised. Before you get mauled on Twitter, <laughs> you're, being, you're being facetious, right? Definitely facetious. Definitely yeah. facetious. That's something Mickey Coke would jump all over. <laughs> I know. I won't put it in tweet form because then, you know, the context won't be there a year from now. Yeah. I heard that dude is jacked. Uh, 
So it sounds like we're generally a uh, – we think this, this trade is fresh. Thumbs up. Yeah, I guess definitely give it a thumbs up. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. Like, we wanted to trade Cahill. We mentioned Booker and Maurer. Like, why not trade them? Brad Hand, you know, among other names. To get rid of three of them at once, like you were just saying a minute ago before I cut you off with a terrible facetious joke. But, yeah, to get rid of three of them at once and pick up a potential high upside prospect in return was even probably better than we had imagined. Um, even though the, 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 you know, the, the three guys we got back doesn't necessarily blow me away. It's still like one of those positive pro tank moves that, you know, gives you value in the future potentially. So, yeah, I don't see how you could be disappointed with it, really. No, yeah, I, I don't think so. Um, I will say that this trade will get overblown by Padres fans. And I think it's fair to say that it, it may be possible that Padres fans care more about uh, Arizona League-caliber players than any of the other 29 fan bases. Uh, well, other we should. Fan bases, right? we, should care, we should care twice as much because we have two teams. Right, but you're in Philly's town. They're in a huge rebuild. Like, it's not like there's huge debates on rookie, like, daily updates on Arizona League stats among the Phillies fan base, I would assume. And so, no, I do think among, among the Padres fan base, like, I think we build up a lot of these 17 and 18 year old players that are putting up, uh, you know, numbers at, at Peoria. And, you know, there's something to be excited for, sure, but I think it's also important to have some levity in what, uh, you know, a 17 or 18 year old performing at the Arizona League means uh, on the long term. Yeah, but it's given that very like very know, long, very long way away from being useful. Right, but given that, you would much prefer a player that's tearing it up at Peoria than a player that's not. So that's 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 what I think of Rui. You know, if you're going to get an Arizona League player, you might as well get the one who's literally hitting the best in the entire league. Yes. <laughs> and play second base. I haven't read any reports on if he can stick there. I think I saw that he might fill out, and, um, you know, it's kind of unknown. Yeah, I guess he's real lanky right now, but that for him to add power, he would need to fill out, and then that could mean he'd move off the second base. But um, Yeah, he's currently listed at six foot 150, which is like, you know, for me that would be growing two inches and losing, like, like 40 pounds. So right. that's definitely very lanky. And I'm not the biggest dude you've ever seen. So, yeah, it sounds like he has a lot of growth to do, which is yeah. good. He's only 18. I didn't even have facial yeah. hair when I was 18. So, And that's Marver at 5'10". That means he's wearing heels also. Get out of here. Uh, yeah, so I, as far as, the, you know, it's good. Good kickoff to the trade season. Um, I guess the last thing I've got is, what are the additional pieces that getting that get moved? Because there there was talk that maybe only you know one. Uh, Lynn had already strongly, I think, stressed that he thought there'd be one. Or no, sorry, Casabell thought one starter would be traded. Um, this pretty much guts the bullpen. They called up Jose Ruiz, the converted catcher from Lake Elsinore, who I've watched a few times this year and throws fire. And I can also say that the scouts that were in attendance were paying very close attention to Jose Ruiz. Um, the the bullpen, you know... By the way, sign that on Ruiz quickly. He was like a... So under the Garfinkel regime, they had like a... Basically, and I'm guessing this is coming down from Morad and not necessarily Garfinkel's idea, but basically a top-down approach to international signings where they just wouldn't ever sign the top guys. They had that 
quantity over quality approach. So maybe someone like Ruiz or Tatis is someone they would have um, targeted. But Jose Ruiz is one of the few guys they actually did sign for a million dollars back under the Morad Garcia's. So if he ends up making it as a major leaguer, even as a reliever, that's that's kind of cool to see. Actually, is he only was Weimer Liriano the first from the Dominican facility to make it to the bigs? So is Ruiz officially the second of all time? No, Franchi, right? I mean, he he came up through. Was he? He was a Dominican. I thought so, but I I mean I could totally be wrong on that. And then I don't know um, if Simone Castro counts. I mean, he made the majors, just not for the Padres. Well, he was also not our prospect. We got him in the JCB trade. Got well. Oh yeah, good point. Wait, did we? No, we didn't. I believe so. Yeah. TV trade was Dexter Carter, Aaron Pareda, uh, someone else that stuck. I don't think Simone Castro was. We traded Castro to the White Sox. Uh, maybe I'm misremembering that by one sec. I don't know. But either oh, way, you are we, right. Ruiz, we did. We traded him to the White Sox. Yes. Ruiz is a uh, Dominican facility success story. I guess he's the best in court. That's not totally terrible. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, I don't remember what my original point was that I was getting at with that, but uh, oh, so Castaville had said one one starter is being traded. Uh, you know, this we're pretty much going to see the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning reliever gone once hand is traded. So, uh, what, what pieces are you looking at actually being traded from here on out? Still, yeah, I would say Chuck Dean. I think I pointed him out last podcast as being one of the the guys that, if I was a contender down the stretch and I was looking for someone just to help round out my starting rotation towards the end of the year in case you know like lightning strikes and you lose two arms, I think he's like a pretty decent number five guy in your rotation. So, I wouldn't be surprised if he got dealt for like you know another. Super marginal prospect of some yeah. sort, and they should do that trade absolutely. Um, Clayton Richard, I mean, I'll be surprised if they can get something for him, but they should absolutely consider that. Well, we can't survive without his hard and hustle. Yeah, and then the other thing is if Solarte can actually come back, or if he's close enough to coming back, maybe you can get something for him. Um, now, I don't know if we'll get as much as uh, Derek Togerson wants to get for him, <laughs> which is like the best prospect in the American League almost. Oh, you mean the one that got called up today who's literally already <laughs> yeah. better than Solarte? <laughs> yeah. I read that and I was like, oh, good God. You've got to be kidding me. But, um, well, let's not, let's not forget that Ferguson is literally cash checked directly from the Bodder case. So that's true. That's let's a take point. a grain of salt. Um, Solarte seems like a guy who would have more value over the offseason. Like, I argued on Twitter that I, I think middle relievers have peak value right now at the trade deadline. Uh, Solarte, you know, is. Joey can continue his production when he comes back. Like, I think he'd have more value, you know, later. Certainly not. You know, past that, it's not – past that, I mean, you kind of have to, like, stretch the truth a little bit. Like, maybe someone's like what they've seen out of Spangenberg the last month or two, and they, you know, they're willing to roll the dice there with him. You know, I don't know. I don't really see too many scenarios where a contender looks at our roster and finds too many guys that are useful. We talked yeah, about Will no. Myers on the last podcast, but I just don't really see that happening. Yeah, um, I say outside of Chessin and, and Smooth Handy J that there's not there's not many options here. No obvious options. Well, Kirby Yates. I, I, I would, we mentioned sorry. him last podcast. So Kirby Yates. Kirby Yates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they want to have at least uh, at least say that they're not actively trying to lose, I mean, it would I guess it would make sense to hold on to Yates, but uh, it doesn't seem like Yates 
Yates almost seems like he'd be at peak value right now. Well, my thing is that they should actively be trying to lose, and then they should yeah. also tell the fans that they are actively trying to lose and be honest. Like, I think they actually should do that. But uh, will they do that? Probably not. Yeah. You mean pulling an actual full Lou now? Yes, the the, the full Lou now. And, yes. Or the full uh, Brave guy. I forget his name. Brave guy. He's great, though. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we covered it. So we'll just sit tight. We may have another emergency podcast after uh, old hand job gets gets traded. I think. Yeah, but don't you want to at least wait until we have at least one game where uh, Brad Hand relieves Travis Wood? I, yeah, I tweeted that. I, the opportunity. Well, I mean, Travis Wood's out for the year, right? Like he's not pitching when he comes. I thought, no, I think I thought he was pitching. I thought he's injured right now. Matt Stram is injured, but I thought Travis Wood wasn't. Give me one second. Uh, I thought I thought Travis Wood was injured also. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if he's not, yeah, just the one time it happens, uh, hand relieves Wood, that would be the greatest. Um, it'd be an all-time – it would at least rank up with the Enberg, um, the Enberg pussy uh, incident. No, actually, uh, Travis Wood hit, uh, pitched yesterday, and, ooh, it was a great start. Um Four and two-thirds innings, gave up four runs on seven hits. Did he start? I thought you said he was only a reliever. Uh, he start, uh, said he was in mop-up. Was this in mop-up? Um, it doesn't say. Oh, no, no, it was a start. It was a uh, spot start. He's had a couple spot starts in July. <laughs> it's hilarious that that was... He's actually, given up, he's actually given up 12 earned runs in 13 innings. In it's it's hilarious starts. that that was the showcase start, like... Like, yeah. he'd been relieving all year, and that was the showcase start, and A.J. was like, huh, really seen something valuable here. So if you hey, were doubting, he could be the if you're doubting that they're tanking, guy. yeah, if you're doubting that they're tanking, that, there's your evidence. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's about as much as we can talk about these three yeah, players. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think we covered this uh, highly urgent emergency of, yeah, of, and two, of two mediocre relief pitchers and a uh, two months of Trevor Cahill. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe we even got anything for him. Um, but honestly, like I said, I think the the biggest piece was actually Booker, believe it or not, um, just based on the, all the control he has left. But I will say I'm going to miss making a lot of jokes at the expense of Vista High School. Um, I made a lot of Froden jokes. Uh, Trevor Cahill seems like a guy that hung out a lot at Ocotillo. Um Definitely wears flapper and hats, probably... What do you think? A lot of bad dudes, uh, bad boy club T-shirts. Definitely think? a lot of a lot of like red and black uh, skateboard shoes with like um, really high black socks, like that sort of. Uh, absolutely, yeah. What about a studded belt? Do you think he goes studded belt? No, no, I don't think studded belt. Maybe like one of those canvas um, like Vans belts or like nylon Vans belts. Definitely. You think you think it is because he's about. Uh, yeah, I guess he's a little younger than me. I guess he wouldn't have been all in, like, the House of Pain garb back in junior high school, but... Uh, no, we actually yeah. we actually played against him in Carlsbad. Like, I was on a winter ball roster against his winter ball team. Did you I didn't get that. No, I didn't actually get to play. He didn't even play, but... Were you, were you right behind? Oh, yeah, absolutely, totally. No, I think I actually got him a batter to that game, but he didn't play. Uh, that's too bad. That would have been uh, that's something to tell the kids about. 
when you, oh yeah, <laughs> when you hit off of Trevor Cahill. Well, uh, that's a good story. Yeah, yeah, and there was a another um, uh, major league player who I got to face back in the day, uh, John Drennan, who was a former first round pick for the Rangers, Manager Bernardo. He struck me out on three pitches. So, well, you know. let me tell tales of when I was in high school and I. Um, I faced the best, you know. I faced some legendary speech and debate teams when I was in high school. So, nationally ranked tournament of champions qualifiers. We can do an entire podcast on it if you want to. But. Well, you know, I just me, remember my just freshman say, year and our freshman our freshman team uh, beating Lacrosse Cannon twice in route to the, I believe, what was the Avocado League Championship at the time, or maybe well, the Colorado League you, Championship. I don't think Carl's ever won a literal a USA Today number one in the country ranking like the Lacrosse Canyon baseball team did. But you know, Lacoste, you know, a lot of Lacrosse Canyon speech and debate victories. Also, I think we should add. Not just anyone can beat Sebastian Kaplan Sears, one of the top debaters in the country, Barber. That really takes a master debater for that one. It really does, yeah. <laughs> I thought you would go with cunning linguist, but you went for the other obvious hack, uh, speech and debate wordplay. Well, I mean, your name is Potter Jagoff. How can I not go with that one? Like, that has to be the one you go with. So we're using a new recording software. Uh, there may be a couple glitches. I, I'm pretty sure it dropped out a couple seconds when I was driving through Point, Point Lama. But um, uh, I think it was pretty good for an emergency podcast, providing some instant response. So good Butt pass for us, Barbara. Yeah, definitely butt pass to schedule this around. I mean, I get it. Like, you couldn't head home and get on the uh, podcast because, you know, you're doing things like making sure that your daughter can swim and not drown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally respectable. Three, yeah. Taking a three-year-old to swim lessons. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, we basically talked as much as we possibly could about this, so let's just end it. Yeah, let's be first to market on this emergency response. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, until next time, go Padres. Go Padres.